Well, hello everybody. How's it to the guys online? Uh, you guys ready with the video? Cool. So, um, Colette and I uh, had the privilege of being overseas uh, for some ministry. We'd love to show you a little video, and then uh, we've got some stories to tell. Probably not to keep you too long. Colette's got a bit of a word to share, and then we'll look in the, into the scriptures together. So, if you guys can play that video, thanks. Thanks for your patience there, watching all the family pics. So we spent uh, about two and a half weeks, uh, three weeks in mainly France and, and Poland as well, a weekend in Poland, uh, ministry trip, although it looked really good and the bread was amazing and the weather was incredible. Um, it was a ministry trip. So we went into um, Sloan in Paris 
and we're working a lot into the church preparing for the equip so the equip is basically a conference it's uh churches from ncmi new covenant ministry international getting together and this equip was churches from all around europe now we we say that um and there were a lot of churches but i think when we're coming from our context in south africa where we're used to churches um life-giving churches around every corner it's uh something very different um for us in in europe so in france um Partnering with NCMI, who has been going for many, many years now, about 30 years, we've only got five partnering churches in the whole of France, and they are scattered far and wide. And so part of what we were doing there is just enhancing relationships and just feeding into the pastors there. It can be a very lonely job uh, when you're very far from anyone who's close by or thinks like you do. So we were in Paris, we went, then flew to Poland for a weekend. Craig's going to tell you a little bit more in detail about the trip. Then we went back to Paris for the um, equip, and then we went to a little town on the coast called Rochford. And so I was lying in our hotel room. It sounds very glamorous, but everything is tiny there. <laughs> and so we were in this hotel room with its big brick walls and tilted floors, and the weather was amazing. So we had all the windows open looking over a courtyard. And oh, something I really love about the Europe churches is they only start like very late. <laughs> so we had a lovely relaxed morning. I think we only started maybe 11 or no, 10. So... I was lying in bed, and all across Europe on a Sunday morning, you hear church bells ringing. And so I was lying in bed and suddenly heard these church bells ringing. And I had such a strong impression that God was speaking through these bells, that the bells are toiling. And so I've come back to you with, with a word I feel from the Lord, just saying that it's so easy to take things for granted that we, um, we know about. And so I was wondering as I was listening to these beautiful bells, church bells ringing on a Sunday morning, that how many of the people, the French people in the buildings surrounded, and there's lots of buildings, uh, actually even heard the bells anymore. And so for us um, to just look around and not take each other for granted, it's come through strongly this morning. We are a family, but more than that, we're in a community where there's more than enough churches. There's, um, God is doing a good thing in our midst. And so my encouragement to you is just remember to not take what God is doing for granted, what the gifts that he's given us, whether it be each other or this church or other churches in, in our communities, let's not take for granted what God has given us. When you walk through the streets of Paris, everything is beautiful. And I mean everything. The lampposts are all gilded and carved. And uh, if you're a tourist, you're kind of doing this the whole time. But you learn very quickly in Paris that you actually don't do that. Because it's a city, there's very few parks, and the parks that are there, you can't take pets to. And so everywhere there's people walking their dogs. And where there's dogs, there's doggy-doo. <laughs> 
And so the streets of Paris are famous for you've got to watch where you walk because you actually don't know what you're about to step into. And so these big street cleaners come every morning. But, uh, yes, you do have to watch where you walk. And so what I felt is so often we are spending our time looking where at the dirty roads ahead of us that we forget to look up and and enjoy God's beauty and the things that he's given us, the deep hope that he does give us as Christians. And so that's just my encouragement to us this morning. It's great. It's great. Also remember that perhaps you are the bell that needs to ring for those around you. There may be no bell other than you. In the olden days, I lived in a small town, they rang the bell, and that people would know it's time to go to church, right? And they would keep ringing that bell until you got there. They gave you a window of opportunity. And perhaps you and I are placed amongst people, and the Lord would use us to make that call to call people to Jesus, not to buildings, but to Jesus, and make sure that you and I will let him uh, use us to call others, right? So, as Colette said, we had three Sundays uh, in Europe. The first Sunday we were, were with La Cité. Um, quite, uh, quite fun on the Saturday. They had a, a parents' training, and they had no one to babysit. Everyone was, was busy, and so yours truly. Uh, the two of us volunteered. If you know me, I'm great with kids. Um, and so we looked after 10 kids under 8 years old. We took them to the park, and we brought them back again. Um, <laughs> The heart is, when we go, the heart is to serve and to do whatever we can to make their job a joy and to allow the gospel to go, even if it means doing some of the menial tasks. The next day we preached. Uh, they weren't able to have their uh, facility, and so we preached online <laughs> in Paris uh, with a little group in the office. And uh, then the next Sunday, as Colette said, we were in Poland. Now, if you've watched the news, you would know that there's more than 2 million uh, refugees from the Ukraine that have made it into Poland. Poland's a nation of 38 million people. So a significant percentage of uh, Ukrainians have ended up in Poland. The amazing thing is how the Polish hearts have opened to these strangers, even unbelievers, posting on social media, I've got a spare room, I've got a lounge, we've got a couple of mattresses, we can take two, we can take six. Uh, people uh, turning up at the uh, Wojtek and Kirsten, you saw their photos, their daughters studying Russian uh, at university. So she went to the train station just to stand around and look for people that couldn't communicate and then translate so that they could meet a happy, you know, someone that wanted to offer them room, but they didn't have a language. So in Poland... For the first time, they actually put us up in an Airbnb because their spare room is now filled with a Ukrainian lady and a, a child of five years old. They've brought her into their home. They've got the kid into school. They've got the mom, some part-time work. Slowly, they're putting a life together. The language skills without the daughter are, are limited. But these people are just opening their hearts. It's amazing. Uh, let's just be honest, South Africa, we have a black mark on our name. We can give in to xenophobia, right? We can. In a nation like that, which is totally overwhelmed socially by all of these strangers, it's like their hearts are broken for people in such trouble. And they're opening their houses, not a government kind of 
initiative, just individuals, even the unbelievers, are brokenhearted trying to help. And so the church there um, have partnered with another organization. They've hired a home that can sleep 25 people, made it available for the refugees. Uh, Wojtek, on his personal name, has just when we were there, signed, the day we arrived, he signed a lease for a second house that will house more people Money has been sent from around the world to enable them to feed, to do this. They've got a cool thing. If you've done like um, a checkers, what's it called, 360? The checkers delivery or the pick and pay, whatever. Uh, disclaimer, I'm not paid for these, these uh, uh, advertisements. But so what they do is in the house, they make an online shopping order. They put it all in the cart. And then for accountability's sake, the... The, there's a group of Americans that have said, we'll buy the groceries. So they then go online, log in, and make the payment for the, for the groceries, which then get delivered to the house. How cool is that? Just stretching, partnering churches from around the world, non-partnering churches that's brought the, Ukrainian, uh, the Polish together in an amazing way. The other thing I wanted to say, which two things that, that really struck us in Poland. So the percentage of evangelical Christians in the Ukraine is higher than in Poland. I'll tell you some statistics later. But so there are more Christians that live in the Ukraine that live in Poland. And so they're saying, as these people are flocking over the borders because of running for their lives, they arrive in the country, many of them are Christians. And so the percentage of Christians inside of Poland is going up. And so they're saying, under great strife and struggle the gospel is growing in poland how amazing is that people fleeing for their lives just the clothes that they have on are still able to change someone's life to offer them they've run for their lives they can offer them the gift of eternal life isn't that amazing we met a, a family and uh, if you watched the the equip uh, on youtube you would have seen a video clip about them this guy is huge he's big in every shape. The wife is a fitness instructor, so she's doing like um, aerobics and stuff with the, with the refugees. Uh, they're Ukrainian, and uh, they told us that if a Ukrainian man is caught by the Russian soldiers, they either kill him or they force him into the Russian army. Now, I want to say very quickly, we pray for Ukraine and we pray for Russia, right? Russia is not a bad place. Russia is full of people who need Jesus and many who love Jesus. We have partnering churches in Russia and in the Ukraine. And um, so this guy was caught. The, the soldiers came after him, and the only reason he's alive today is because he's quicker. He runs faster than those soldiers. So he literally ran for his life. He ran away from them, managed to get away. And then they smuggled him, this huge guy. They put him in a suitcase, put him in the back of a car. They had to drive him back into Russia because of the, the humanitarian corridors, back into Russia, through Russia, over the border, another side, bribing the guards not to look inside the... And this guy said, man, you guys have saved our lives. We're so grateful. And there are many others just like that. But so beautiful to see the church responding. Then the equip, as Colette said, was just amazing to see all those churches together, giving each other strength, praying for each other. So cool to be able to tell those people over there that there is our church and many of our, other of our friends. As I shared our journey with my mates in ministry, they were calling prayer meetings all over the church Lindsay's folks are from, prayed for the churches over there, etc., etc. And And then finally, that uh, the last one, <clears throat> um, the church in Rochefort, Rochford, um, just an amazing thing. You know, the, the wife, Nadine, has been in that church since she was one years old. 
The husband, Tim, uh, was sent by the South African Navy to go and learn French back in the day so that they could go on maneuvers with the French Navy. And uh, he met this lady at church, and he took a liking to her. And all these years later, they lead the church. They have kids. You saw that. I want to say to you that sometimes God weaves out paths in many, many ways. And um, there they are, uh, leading a church counting for Jesus. So thank you for praying for us. Thank you for sending us. Man, thank you for planning to come with us, right? So we felt the Lord speak so clearly to us this year, haven't we? We really have, hey? We've spoken, we've held on to three things. Yeah, if you've been around, you'll remember. Number one is advance, all aboard. Get on the train, let's go. Number two is a new wineskin for new wine. And then number three, we said, let's be clear. And what's amazed us is how clear the Lord has been with us. You remember when Richard and Zelda ministered here about six weeks ago or so? He stood up and his Sunday morning preach was all aboard. A word we've been holding on for the last two years. Last week, we had Alan and Delian Parfit with us. He preached an amazing Sunday morning preach. I encourage you, the God's Word on mental health. If you haven't, if you didn't watch it, jump on uh, YouTube. It's there. But many of you weren't here on the Saturday afternoon. And he preached an amazing message, which, uh, uh, let me just find it. It says, uh, his title was God's Plan to Fulfill the Great Commission. And his introductory statement was this, new wineskin for new wine. And those of us that were here, we were squirming in our chairs because we, I so wanted to tell him what was going on, but I also wanted to hear him out so that we, could, we wouldn't uh, influence what he had to say. And um, so break camp in advance, new wineskin for a new wine. God has been very clear to us. And so it's so cool that we know that God has repeatedly confirmed what He's saying to us. He talks to us over and over, doesn't He? And so we know that we're following after God, which is so encouraging. Um, I wanted to recap by way of introduction. We're going to talk about to all the world this morning. And it says here, uh, uh, Alan's introductory paragraph was, in a very brief way, one could say that Jesus spoke of new wine, which refers to the life of Christ poured out at the cross, the new wineskin is a new structure or a new vehicle that Jesus will use to effectively dispense the new wine to the world. This new structure, his church. This combination then clearly represents the way God wants us to fill his commission. So new wine to get the love of God, the life of God to the people of God wherever it needed through a vehicle that he gives us. One of their elders, uh, Alan Parfit comes from a church called Church Unlimited. One of their elders had this word for us. If you can give it to me. Yeah, thanks. Um, a guy called Louis Nell said, I am doing a new thing, felt the Lord say for us, in your midst. That when you look back in time, you will stand amazed. I'm cleaning and preparing the church as a vessel for a new work. I'm preparing you for a new season of effectiveness where you would feed many. I sense the Lord's excitement and pleasure over you and over the church. I'm preparing a banqueting feast where you will see and taste and experience that God is good. Now, he read this to us on the Saturday, but one of the things that we want to do is not just, ah, oh, that was a nice preach, gave me the weekend off, let's get back to the rest of the year. We actually want to 
pay attention to what God says when we have translocal ministry in, that we build it into the wall. We want to be clear even with these messages. So that's why we read this today. But notice I'm doing something in your midst that at a later time you'll look back and stand amazed. I'm cleaning, preparing. I'm preparing you for a new season of effectiveness where you would feed Many. Isn't that a wonderful word? Now that's to Grace Cove, but who is Grace Cove? Grace Cove is made up of individuals like you and me. So that's directly for you. I see Andrew taking a, a, a photo of that. That's what I do. I take words like this, I put them on my, in my notes, and I pray them all the time, over and over. I would be trusting if I was you, that God would bring you personally and us as a church into this new season of effectiveness. So let's talk about the Great Commission this morning. My first point is the Great Commission. And we read from uh, Matthew 28, from verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Alan began with some truths, he called, some simple truths from this passage, and I thought it's so profound, because it's easy to read these things and just assume they apply to someone else. We read them, and we don't actually kind of mentally realize what is being said. The first thing he said is that this commission has a start date and an end date. Did you, did you read it like that? You guys who did well in English at school, your, your uh, comprehension tests, it has a start date and an end date. The start date, Jesus speaking, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. That's the start date. What's the end date? It's in, your, it's in the notes. What's the end date? Thank you. Alex says, hasn't happened yet. It's to the end of the age or to the end of the earth. The end of the age is when Jesus returns. It started when he came first. It ends when he comes again. This is an active commission right now. It's still busy as we speak today. The second thing is it applies to every disciple of Christ or else this commission would not make sense. I apologize for the spelling. I don't even know how to pronounce that disciple, right? <laughs> I've got to write in my notes, my goodness. If you get to know me, you'll know that's how I spell. Um, it applies to every disciple of Christ, or else it wouldn't make sense. The first disciples did not get to all the nations. They did not get to the end of the, the, the map, and neither did they get to the end of time, right? So therefore, it has to continue. It's still an active call. Therefore, it applies to all disciples, even to you and I today. My sense for us this morning is I feel like I want to shake your minds, if that, weren't, if that would be polite. If I could do it politely, my mother would approve. But um, so easy for our minds to have a wrong image of ourselves. And we, we assume the task is for somebody else. Or it's for the preachers, or it's for the insert whoever you want to be there. I want us to know this morning, this is for every single one of us. It's an active call for every disciple. Jesus didn't just say, um, you know, not those ones, but these ones. All you good-looking ones, I'm telling you. No. He said for everyone. And uh, until he returns again. The third thing Alan said is that it's not primarily about evangelism, as it doesn't end with converts, but the goal is disciples. It includes evangelism, but also teaching, growing in obedience and maturity. 
Evangelism is important. We need the evangelists. We need to witness to each other, yes. But once people turn to the Lord, we also need to help them grow in the Lord. And so it's active now. It applies to every one of us. And the goal is discipleships, not just converts. And then fourthly, water baptism is the first step of obedience to the Great Commission. Now, we need to set up a date because there's some guys here at Grace Cove that want to get baptized. And so um, I know it's winter, right? <laughs> so you let us know if you want to be included in the baptism. Uh, next, when we do it, we'll set a date. We'll let you know. But baptism is like the first step of obedience in this great commission to Jesus. And so here we have it. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and keep on doing that until the end of the age. Uh, Hilton, I'm going to mess you around if you don't mind. If you could just skip to what is point two, we'll come back to the next, the, the Genesis passage. So if you could skip ahead. There we go. So first of all, there is this great commission that applies to all of us. Secondly, we are called to all of the world. We are called to all of the world, not just the parts we like or the parts where people are like us, but we are called to all of the world. You know, it's funny. We have the privilege of ministering in Lesotho regularly, probably three or four times a year we're in Lesotho. Um, we've done it for 20-something years. When I travel with you, or Colette and I travel, when I travel to Lesotho, everyone goes, that's great, Craig. God bless you. And, uh, you know, they really approve that we're going to help the poor people in Africa. In the days when we were traveling regularly to Malawi, guys would go, wow, that's such a far way to travel. Good for you. When we were going to Zambia, the same thing. You know, when I say we're going to Paris, everyone goes, oh, really? Huh? Oh, nice, eh? Going shopping. The Bible says we are called to all the worlds. <laughs> France, country of 68 million people, less than 2% are Protestant. That's all kinds of Protestants. 2%. It's a longer story, which if you want to ask me the details, I'm nervous of boring people with my stories. You, you're welcome to ask, but Colette and I spent some time uh, with, a, with a youngish couple in their 30s who were totally unchurched. Eventually, over a meal, they sat us down and he said to me, he, he interrupted his dinner party and he said, Craig, can you explain to us the difference between a Protestant and a Catholic? Their understanding of church was zero. He was under the impression, because we said we're going to church on Sunday, he was under the impression that when he heard that I was preaching, he was under the impression that I'd be putting robes on. And he, they asked some very interesting questions, expecting us to judge them because they didn't know Jesus. And instead we said, man, it's changed our lives. And that's why we've come all this way, to tell people about Jesus, not about religion. We're called to all the world in South Africa, <laughs> in South Africa, like Colette says, everyone knows about Jesus. On a previous trip to France, we said, <laughs> we were in the shoe shop, we said to the guy helping us, oh, we've come for the church. He said, oh, really? And he pointed out the door of the shop. That church over there, the cathedral that people only go to as tourists, not as church members. He didn't understand that church is more than a building. Two percent of France is Protestant. Less than 1% is evangelical. 
They tell me that about 25 churches are planted annually in France. 25, that's about two a month. 68 million people. In Poland, 0.3% of the population is Protestant. 0.3. of Polish towns have no Protestant church. One of the NCMI team guys who leads a church in um, the Netherlands told me this statistic which haunts me. He said 250,000 towns and villages in Europe that have no life-giving church. Even if people want to hear about Jesus. There is no church to go to to find out about him. We're called to all the world. We'll continue to go everywhere. We'll go across the street. We'll go to Lesotho. You can come with. We'll go wherever the Lord calls us. We've got to be careful in our hearts that we think, oh, the first world is sorted. I'm telling you, in history, Europe had a great testimony of sending missionaries, Right? It's time for the missionaries to be sent from Africa back to Europe. <laughs> in Poland, we have one church we partner with. In Malta. <laughs> Malta? Isn't Malta cool? We have a church that was planted a year and a half ago. The guy never was an elder before they planted. He, him and his wife got work, and uh, they went to Malta. There was no church, so they started one. How cool is that? <laughs> In Portugal, we have three or four churches, France five, Germany five, the Netherlands nine. In Spain, we have no churches that partner with us. Our friends are going there. They leave on the 4th of July to go and establish work and to start a church. We are called to go to all nations, tell them about Jesus, wherever they may find themselves. Uh, Hilton, if you can go back to Genesis, please. So here's the Abrahamic covenant, this great covenant which God made. So Genesis chapter 12, I've jumped around, well done. So Genesis chapter 12, verse. Uh, can you go to verse 1? There we go. God says to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you and whoever curses you I will bless. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Can I ask you, <laughs> forgive me if I sound like a school teacher, but will you say that after me? And all people on earth, can you say that? Will be blessed through you. Now that you is, and you, right? All people on earth will be blessed with you. So verse 4 says, so Abraham went. God said, so he did. And the Lord had told him, he, he and Lot went. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. That includes everyone. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, if you read on, there's a whole lot that happens between those verses. But they set out because God said, and they arrived there. Now you might be thinking, Man, uh, that's great for Abraham, and Abraham was a Jew. How does it apply to me as a Christian today, as a Gentile Christian, if you're, not a, if you're not a Jew? Well, Genesis chapter 12 says, God will bless us, and we will be a blessing. 
Matthew chapter 28, which we've read already, says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Then the scripture that ties all of those to us is Galatians chapter 3. Uh, Hilton, if you can help us there. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. I've jumped around. Well done, Hilton. He says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. You get it? Those who have faith are children of Abraham. Some of the older trans translations said the seed of Abraham. And so if I'm a child, I then get the inheritance from my parents, right? From my father. And so God says in, Gen in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, He says, If you are a child of faith, if you're a born-again believer in God, then we are heirs to Abraham's uh, covenant because of our faith. And so Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. What? All nations will be blessed through you. So sometimes we read the Old Testament and say that happened so long ago to a chosen people far away. I'm reminding us this morning, it applies to us today if you have the faith in Jesus. We're tied to the Abrahamic covenant through faith. Therefore, Genesis 12 applies to us. Matthew 28 applies to us because we are children of Abraham. The guy by the name of Rob Forbes who planted and led churches in Mongolia for 14 years said, why should so many hear the gospel in parts of the world over and over again when so many haven't heard it once? Henny Cater uh, preached here. We had our pastors connect uh, on Thursday night. And Henny Cater preached. He used this illustration. He said they found one of the buildings, one of the, most, one of the earliest church buildings in Jerusalem. And it had obviously over time get covered up. So they excavated it. The archaeologists came and they excavated it. And they got right down to the bottom. Of the, they cleaned the floor of the church building. And on the floor of this building was a mosaic. had the world map and Paul's, the maps of Paul's travels to spread the gospel from continent to continent, country to country, people group to people group. Friends, the original design was that the church would be built on the foundations of a heart that everyone in all the world would know Jesus and everyone would have an opportunity to know him and to reach out to him. The gospel to all must be our foundation and the floor to all we do. My final point this morning to try and give us some some how-tos. How then do we do it? Do you just pray and as someone else goes? Or how do we do this? How do we live the Great Commission? I've got six ways of living that I'll give to you quickly. So number one, we realize that we have been born again into a going gospel. Forgive me for being silly, but if you take... Uh, just go back one, one slide, please, Hilton. Thank you. If you take the word go out of the word gospel... Just left with a spell. We end up kind of resorting to <laughs> we end up resorting to all sorts of tricks and mechanisms to keep people doing what we want them to do. Huh? We have to force you to pray and we have to force you to live a moral life. Instead, we rather point at Jesus and the mandate he's given us, and our lives naturally want to follow him. So it's a going gospel. Uh, Mark chapter 
16 verse 15 he said go thanks hilton go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved that's for all of us so it's a going gospel so in our thinking we put in our minds that my gospel my christianity is not just about me having a quiet time and not swearing at work That my gospel has a going element to it. As I look over the congregation, I see Farnie's head popping up there. Farnie and Melissa, in their going, they went just to the bottom of our buildings. And with other friends, they made a veggie patch so they could grow vegetables. And if you're hungry, there's vegetables at Grace Cove for you to enjoy. Sometimes you go far, sometimes you go near. Sometimes you go to your neighborhood, sometimes you go to the distant nations. But in our thinking of our Christianity, we understand there is a going nature to it. Number two, this gospel is freedom for all mankind. These days we're supposed to say people kind, right? Humankind. Freedom for all mankind. Sometimes we just want to go to the people that we like, that the people that we understand, the people that we feel comfortable with, the people whose food is palatable. The people whose language we understand. Instead of saying, God, I will go because every single person, even those that maybe historically I don't have anything to do with. John chapter 1 verse 7, it says, He came to wit as a witness to testify concerning that the light that through him all men might believe. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus stood up and he read the scrolls and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus, the Son of God. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and release of the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We sang those lines this morning. And I want to say to you that Jesus stands up and He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And you know the amazing thing today is that you and I carry the same Spirit of the Lord anointing us to do the same work. All authority in heaven is given to me, therefore you go. Jesus didn't say, therefore I'm going to go because I've got the authority. He says, no, I've got the authority, so I'm sending you. It's a going gospel. It's freedom for all men. The third one is, our instinctive reaction is to go instead of staying. When it comes to raising kids, friends, you've got to get off the couch. You can't just sit in front of the TV and shout at the kids and think they're going to listen to you. You've actually got to get off the couch. You can think good thoughts about people far away. You can think good thoughts about people in the next building. But until you go and tell them what you have in your heart, it's actually irrelevant. <laughs> and so going instead of staying becomes our predisposition. Overseas, a couple of people preached and they said, man, our answer to the Lord should be yes, What's the question? Normally we say, okay, God, what, what, what are you asking? And like, what's it going to require? And when can I squeeze it into my schedule? And how much money is it going to cost? And then I'll consider if I say yes to you. I'm so stirred. I want to be one of those that say, yes, Jesus. Now tell me what you're calling me to. Remember Samuel? Yes, Lord. <laughs> and then, okay, now what? Right? Going instead of staying. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 
Jesus said, if you wait in Jerusalem, you'll receive uh, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? And they all said, yes, amen. The tongues of fire came. They spoke in tongues. Pentecost happened. And then they all stayed in Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. And then Acts chapter 8 verse 1 happened. It said, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Judea is the, the province, Samaria is the province next door. Verse 4 says, And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's what's happening with the Ukrainian Christians. Ah, I feel so sorry for them. But the truth is, somehow in God's economy, he, there is a redemptive... Uh, quality that he's bringing as people are scattered they're bringing the gospel yeah we should be willing to go instead of stay number four it's a giving instead of gathering for ourselves a giving instead of a gathering for ourselves <laughs> even when it means we have to give so that we don't have philippians chapter 4 uh, verse 16, it says, For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. The stories the Polish guys are telling us about churches around the world that have sent aid to help them look after some Ukrainians. The churches around here, we've told you the stories, Wawa and Zandi's plant, a church from the Eastern Cape sent a mixing desk when we, our mixing desk was stolen. <laughs> and a church down there said, do you want this one? We said, man, well, there's a church plant that needs it. They paid for the courier. They sent their mixing desk so that a brand new church plant can have sound. Hey, don't even know each other other than our partnership in the gospel. The, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the condition of our heart is that we give instead of gathering for ourselves. Numbers is that we're willing to embrace inconvenience. And can I say, even when it's inconvenient. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped at. He was God himself. It says he made himself nothing, taking on the role of a servant, being found in the form of man. He came to serve us. And so, friends, if we are to be this people of dis these disciples that Jesus calls, we will go when it's inconvenient. We'll stop our days, <laughs> and we'll share the love of Jesus with a friend. We'll keep our hearts right, even when things are tough, and share the love of God with each other. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, the grace of God was... By the grace of God, I am what I am. For his grace to me was not without effect. I worked harder than all of them. Not I, but the grace of God was with me. The last one, number six, is making sure my whole life is part of the big picture. It's so easy for us to get stuck in building our own lives. But we find we're a family. We build our lives as part of the bigger picture. What is the bigger picture? Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. That starts across your street over your garden wall, in your office, at your school. It starts when you go on holiday into another province. It starts when there's an opportunity to go over a border, whether it's to Lesotho, Swaziland, around us, or overseas.
Finally, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. But I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. That my whole life is so consumed by this Christ who lives in me, that my life becomes part of the bigger picture. Friends, this morning as I close, I want to remind you that everything I've said applies to every one of us. You might be saved for five minutes, 50 years. You might be rich, you might be poor. You might be in the middle of studies or a serious time at work. This applies to every one of us. Wherever God calls us, wherever God gives us opportunity. And we as a church together will try our best to capitalize on all of those. But you'll leave this place and you'll probably pop in somewhere for quick shopping before you go home, right? Chances are many of us will do that. Will you do that as one that's sent? Someone that carries the go of the gospel. When you get home, when you interact with family this afternoon, when you go to work or school tomorrow, when we conduct ourselves in society, each one of us called by Jesus to represent him. And the beautiful promise is that I will be with you. If you do that, I will be with you till the end of the age. Father, we are stirred by other people's stories. Showed some pictures today. Father, we pray for Ukraine and for Russia. We ask for your mercy, Lord. It's so overwhelming. We pray, Jesus, that you would intervene. We pray for the practicalities of, of help, Lord. We pray for the gospel that people would, in their struggles, find you. Father, all over the world, churches need to be planted. People need to be introduced to you. We pray that you'd allow Grace Cove to be part of that agenda that you've called us to. I pray for each of us, Lord, and me too, that we would become um, our initial response, Lord, would be like this. We go as people sent by Jesus. We go to work. We go home. We go to the shops. We go to enjoy each other's company. We go to the gym. We, we, wherever we go, Lord, we go as one sent. I pray, Jesus, that we would have this sense that our lives are not just for ourselves, but we sow them to your service that the world might know about Jesus and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Tibbs.